0800-682-702. Call Talk at 9 on 011-883-0702. 28 minutes to go before we get to 11 o'clock. And uh, just a reminder that after the 11 o'clock Eyewitness News, we, of course, open up lines, giving you an opportunity to give us a call. Tell us what it is that's on your mind on 011-883-0702. But keep those WhatsApps coming in on 317-702-1702 and the SMSs on 31702. Keep them coming in. I'll refer to them every now and again. And have a discussion. Now, earlier on, I, I made the horrible faux pas of of getting the numbers wrong on this one. And um, we're sitting at uh, just shy of 365,000 uh, COVID-19 cases in the country, making us fifth in the world. I thought we were still eighth. It turns out we're fifth in the world in terms of the number of COVID-19 cases. And guess what? Ultimately, no matter who you are, uh, there's probably someone that you know um, uh, who tested positive for COVID-19. And one of those people is Ashraf Garda, who's joining me on the line right now. And Ashraf is obviously someone that we know very well based on uh, radio and television, and he's done some wonderful work in that space. Ashraf, thank you for joining us this evening, man. And uh, thanks for chatting yeah, to good, us. Yeah, good talk. Good talking to you on, on the other side of the mic for a change, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. Uh, in, in fact, yeah, it, you know, I just remember now, I actually did do an interview with you. Uh, and I was on the other side where yeah. I had to explain a couple of things to you. But now you're the one telling us the story. I mean, telling your own story, in fact, uh, a very personal one. And as I was saying now, just before, um, uh, you know, saying hi to you, that inevitably we we in a situation where you know, it's virtually impossible for someone not to at least know one person with COVID-19. And lo and behold, Ashraf Garda, who we know from TV and radio and other platforms as well, um, you know, tested positive for COVID-19. Yeah, well, it's an interesting intro because, you know, I, so, okay, I'm certainly one person that you know now for sure. And mm-hmm. then I know when I, when I posted this on Twitter two weeks ago, um, uh, Mike Steinberg, who you may know, was at this big case with the apartheid museum. He said, "Well, you're the first person I actually know directly who was COVID-19." But this morning, my wife and I did an exercise. Okay, <clears throat> and it's not about good friends or not good friends. We said, "How many people do do we know that we've actually met at some stage of our lives, whether it's a year ago or even five years ago, but we know them." who are now positive. Mm. Now, as for this morning, it was sitting on 60 people wow. that we have met over a period between Joburg and Durban and Cape Town, wherever else, right, that are COVID positive. Now, that number has increased to probably 65, 66 since this morning, right? And of that group of people, about five of them, and maybe it's gone up to six or seven now, have, have passed on. Another four or five have been in hospital. <clears throat> Another five or six have been severe, but not in hospital, thank goodness. And the balance, approximately 45, which I'd include in this case myself uh, and my wife, have been in a case where we've had, we've had a flu. Okay, thank goodness for that. But that gives you the gravity of just the, the, the numbers of touch points. It's, it's phenomenal. Like 65, 70 people that I have met in my life over a period of time, has already COVID positive. And this is long before what we think about as a possible peak, isn't it? Hmm. Well, let's let's talk about, you know, your, your own personal journey through this, um, uh, Ashraf. And I hope that, you know, I'm not going to get too personal. But, I mean, obviously, the I'm, I myself, I'm, I'm someone that 
I've not had COVID-19. I've, I've, it, it scares the living daylights out of me. We know now that people react differently to COVID-19. Some new research coming out uh, that I've been following over the weekend. And I don't want to uh, pin my, my, my entire knowledge on this and say that I am the bearer of knowledge. But from what I understand, seemingly different strains of COVID-19, therefore giving people different effects. What is it that you went through? What, what were some of the symptoms that you felt? Um, how did you sort of start realizing, oh, I might be in trouble. Maybe I should go for that test. So for me, it was a, a Monday where I had a slight croaky throat. It's always right? a Monday, isn't and, it? Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> the first of the week. And, and you know, that's not unusual. Mm. Um, it's winter, excepting that for people like yourself and myself as broadcasters and talk shows, those are alarm bells. Like, you know, hold it. We have to look after our voices. So in a mm. normal week, now, that would be that sort of problem, uh, but nothing more. On the Tuesday, that croakiness sort of retained itself, right? But nothing, nothing serious. On the Tuesday evening, I was able to, to moderate a webinar for two hours quite comfortably, right? Mm. Um, without a hint of what's to come. Uh, after the webinar, which ended about 9 o'clock, I ended up watching soccer on TV, uh, which ended around 11 o'clock at night, right? And thereafter, for the first time, as I got to bed, uh, probably 11.30 or so, told my wife, you know what, I've got these cold shivers. I think I've got a fever. And she felt me and she said, you don't have a fever. And I'm insisting I have a fever. I'm like, you know, in Africa, I'm beavering, man. But mm. it's very cold, right? And, uh, and that was the end of that discussion. I mean, of course, I jumped to bed and, and went to sleep. At, at 5 a.m. in the morning, while I'm fast asleep, so unknown to me, my wife then felt me. And she got up in a shock and she said, you are boiling hot. Mm. Okay. And told me this in my mind. I, I didn't panic, but something already suggested to me there's going to be a problem. Now, just to fast forward later on, when I could see the WhatsApp messages in my family group between my wife and my children, she, she, she messaged them at about five o'clock and said, guys, that is so hot. Like I can, I can, I, I can felt his temperature. He's very, very hot. And last night he had cold shivers. And she said something like, "I'm so worried. I don't know what to do." Okay. Now I'm. I always saw that like a good five hours later on. Okay. Mm. Which I think is an interesting segue into 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 emotions. Okay. So which I'll come back to in a moment. But that's what happened. Then I gave my doctor a call at about eight o'clock in the morning. Because I think that's an important point. Don't call friends and buddies and chummies. Call the doctor. You know, mm. Get advice from the doctor. So I, I just happen to know, I mean, the doctor that I know well, uh, my former squash partner uh, is, is Dr. Jakub Esak, uh, who is uh, just coincidentally the president of the Islamic Medical Association, who's given major input into via gift to the givers and through government in terms of religious affairs. So he was somebody who was not just a GP, but, but very, very okay with a lot of things, right? And of course he said, no, listen, you, you need to go for a test like now. So I went for the test and I, it was interesting when I got to the test, the lady, uh, I told the guy, I said, actually, my, my fever has dropped completely, this high fever. Uh, it's come and gone, but it's, it's dropped now. He said, oh, but that's pretty normal for COVID-19, right? So, by, by five o'clock when, when the doctor called me, mm. um, I'd mentally prepared myself. So five o'clock on the same day, okay? Mm -hmm. I'd mentally prepared myself for the fact that it's very possible that I could well be COVID-19. And, and he called and he said, Ashraf, yeah, but sorry, guy, you're, you're positive, right? 
And immediately I, I told my wife, who had already within a minute WhatsApp my kids, and this is how you know things spread in this world, and spent a few moments by myself and then with my wife to say, okay, now I'm positive, and let's let's take it let's take it from there, right? But but just quickly that that point that I made about the WhatsApp uh, that she had sent to my children, it, it tells you this incredible anxiety because your point is valid earlier on that I look at it like four different categories of COVID nineteen infections mm. for some people it's a flu and i think for me now with hindsight i had a flu my wife had a, a slightly worse flu than me mm. for mm. other people it's it's uh something a bit more severe for others it's serious or critical and for other people it's also fatal right um mm. but you don't mm. know how it's going to impact on you until you get it and that's the thing and let's 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 talk a bit about those emotions because here you are now you discover that you are covid 19 positive knowing fully well you know, it's not, you know, you're not sort of patient zero. You're not in that patient zero space where um, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's going to come out and tell you the story. You've heard all of the other stories, particularly yeah, based yeah. on the work that you are doing. Uh, mm-hmm. You would have heard of the fatalities. You would have heard of the severe cases, people having to go on to ventilators, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, thank goodness that it didn't get to that point. But how, how did you feel when you found out that, listen, you are COVID, uh, you are COVID positive? Well, I mean, I, I, I look by, by nature. I'm I'm not a panicker. I'm, I'm fairly controlled with emotions, especially when there are problems like these. Okay, mm. um, so so to to to, to the rewind, which will give you a sense of it. My mother passed away about ten, twelve, twenty, twenty eleven, in fact, uh, right? So nine years ago, when she passed away, a the, the day before she had died. Um, um, or, or the entire day, you know, I'm, I'm Muslim, so we, we, we like people to sort of recite the, the declaration of faith before they can pass away, right? And once she had done that and we knew she's not going to survive, it sounds rather bizarre, but I was looking forward to her passing away because I knew, according to the doctors, that she was never going to come out of the hospital alive. So being well aware that she was in her senses, she had declared a declaration of faith, right? She was ready to go. Who was I to stop her? So in that sense, my mind was very clear about herself. Now, of course, I'm very different, but I certainly adopted the same attitude to say, you'd never know what's going to happen to you, but what's important right now is for you not to panic and not to freak out because that's going to extend to the rest of your family. You need to be controlled about what may happen. Just to tell you as well that I'm, I'm asthmatic, which now is the big concern I always had. Mm. Right? that, you know, asthma is a respiratory issue. So long before it even visited my home, that was the big issue to say, oh my goodness, I could well be a sitting duck for this, right? So, so those were the emotions that, that went through. I can tell you my, my wife, within a day, showed similar symptoms to me. So we knew that there was a good chance she had it and then she went for a test and she was positive as well. And, and I can tell you by the, by the second day, after I was positive, uh, or probably the very next day, in fact, my wife and I had this chat about what may happen if things go wrong, because you have to do that, meaning bank accounts, meaning let's talk about our worlds, are the worlds up to date, not for me, but for both of us, in fact, okay? And of course, they were up to date, thank goodness for that, but we, we discussed it with the two of us mm. and say what may, what may happen, right? So we were not naive in terms of avoiding the, the, the worst case scenario, because as you know, one of the problems that has occurred with, with, um, uh, with COVID-19, when people have complications, according to doctors, by day seven, by day eight, 
those complications absolutely take over into a, into a crisis, okay? Which means then you've got very little time. You are on, effectively, when I say day eight, not day eight of testing, day eight of, of infection, which is probably day five of, of uh, so we only get to know that we're positive about day five. So when we, our day one of testing is day five of infection. So you're like three days away from possibly slumping. Mm. And, and therefore, you've got to be very, very quick in terms of doing some checks and balances in terms of what may happen. Yeah, Ashraf, I mean, that, uh, the one thing that stands out for me, and I don't want to get melodramatic in this interview with you, but I mean, the, the, the difficulty for me is you then having to come to terms with the possibility of your own mortality. If you get, you yeah. know, uh, obviously you, you, you know, all of us at one point, you get into your car, you know, you could get into a severe car crash. You uh, know that you yeah. could tick off the wrong person during an interview and they might lose it. There's so many possibilities. There's that, that we be living in a very crime ridden country. Someone could jump over your wall, etc., etc. All of these possibilities exist. But the thing is, as much as they exist and those possibilities do exist it's not a preoccupation it's not the type of thing that you go to bed with every single day and that's the only thing that you think of but i i guess that it's very different with testing positive for COVID 19 and having to have that conversation with a wife where you're now looking specifically at the will is the will up to date etc etc knowing fully well that okay i found out today that i'm COVID 19 positive we now know that you know it's five days into the journey i only basically have three days left to see how bad this wave is going to be i mean that that must be a scary thing i i I think it is scary i mean on, on on two levels on the one hand it's scary so you know without being negative, because I'm rather positive about being positive, and I want to emphasize that point, mm. it doesn't mean you must, you must not be scared. And I think to be vulnerable, and it's something that you chatted about earlier on, that I when I tuned in just after 10 o'clock, that we all felt vulnerable. In fact, I feel vulnerable even now, because I'm, I'm reasonably well in good shape, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, doctors have warned to say, you can't at this point infect anybody else after the first seven or eight days, as per the, the Minister of Health, but it doesn't mean you can't be weaker if you don't look after yourself. So even now, between my wife and I, we, we both feel vulnerable about what may happen down the line. We, we, we think we're fine, but, but we still are fearful, and I think it's, it's completely understandable. So I think that is, that is a problem, and I think that's... So, so from an emotional point of view, I think it is a conversation that everybody has to be having, because as we know... From those original numbers, I mean, they're talking of 365,000 today, but, uh, but, but Dr. Professor Mahdi from Vitsa said, when I interviewed him about three weeks ago for my podcast, he said, Ashraf, we have a million people who are positive in this country, which means we probably have 1.5 today. So with those numbers, and you know we're in the top five and not in the top eight, as you corrected yourself, <laughs> that we, we are there, right? The, the, the four countries above us, have some of the largest populations in the world. That means any countries below the 100 million, we're the only ones, and we're number one of those countries. So if, if people listening to you and I talking now are not having the conversation with their, with their families, with their loved ones, as to what may be happening, I, I'm going to strongly urge them to have those conversations, to have the what-ifs, what, what if is going to happen, and not have the conversation with the Minister of Health or, or, or the president when he gives his, his annual or, or his, his weekly or bi-weekly talk. I think have the private conversations as to what may happen and be well aware that the scenario suggests that 60-70% of the population is going to be infected. Um, on the other hand, uh, maybe 2 or 3% 
of that group will die. And, and even the numbers I explained about the 65 that I knew about is consistent with that. So maybe there's some saving grace along that line to say, actually, the numbers of people dying are not that great. But you still need to have a conversation because you don't know whether that's going to be you or somebody else. I mean, Ashraf, getting into it, um, I mean, in terms of tracing it back, and you are someone who I would believe would have taken all the reasonable precautions. You, you, you know, you're not, uh, again, you're at the forefront of the information, you know, you know the, the sanitization mm-hmm. of the hands, wearing a mask, maintaining social distance, etc., etc. All of those things come into play here. Uh, but, but how, you know, do you have a suspicion? Do you have any idea? Were you able to track it back and say this is how... I, I could have possibly contracted COVID-19? Well, well so, so firstly, I mean, yes, I think in the last three or four months, we have been extremely vigilant. Um, and, and that's the entire family. But I'll tell you mm. what, the most vigilant has been my wife. She's like, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Uh, across the board. So, so we've taken the precautions, okay? But it shows you're still vulnerable. For me, it's, it's possibly one of, one of three things, Okay. Either when I, the day I went to go and do a podcast, um, and, but none of the people there are infected, so that's one. The, the, and on the same day, I filled up petrol, and I observed that the guy who filled up petrol with me did not have a mask, and I even told him that, right? Mm. Or the third one, I bought some, some wood, you know, firewood for my, for my fireplace, and they dropped it off a few days beforehand. But, you know, if it's infected on the, on the paper, on the, on the wrapping, and you're taking it to your house every few days, and we actually do sanitize it, by the way, right? Mm. That could have been something. So if you can see what I'm telling you, it is as potluck as that. You know, it's, it's not obvious. Mm. And then the possibilities yeah, are immense. I mean, it's, as you yeah, said. It's, it's, but, it's, but on the one hand, the possibilities are immense. On the other hand, it's not that obvious. So to go back to the night that I got ill, my, my daughter was, was watching the same soccer game with me, and I can tell you now we shared the same blanket watching the game together. Right, and she's not positive, and we, we literally sat together the whole night. So, in both extremes, it's not obvious that somebody next to you will get it. On the other hand, it's not obvious that you'll not get it. It should take maximum precautions. What is what is obvious is by taking precautions, you will you will hopefully um, create this barrier which will will limit the odds on you getting it. So let's talk about the the living arrangements then, Ashraf. I mean, here you are, you're both you you and your wife are, are COVID nineteen positive, and it's a conversation that my wife and I actually had. Uh, what happens if if one of us gets you know gets COVID nineteen or both of us get COVID nineteen? We know that, for example, private and, and 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 state facilities seem to be overrun, and and you know for a lot of people who are not severe cases, as in your particular instance, um, you may may even have the opportunity provided you have the space and the, there's a possibility to do that. You might even be able to isolate at home and and recover at home. What was your what you know? What was your journey like? How difficult was it for you to a identify that space where you're going to recover, and b where did you eventually do that? Well, well, in, in our case, it was rather fortuitous that both of us were positive. So we had we had our children were both at varsity, so they, so they're big kids, right? They could mm. manage on their own in the rest of a of a four bedroom home. They could they could make their own plans, right? Um, and and my bedroom is a fairly large bedroom, which which allowed me to do a whole lot of different things, you know, besides. Um, sleeping there, but, but we had a separate chair and, and, you know, aunt suite, so shower, toilets, et cetera. So we were, we were in confinement in that area. And in this case now, it was both of us because we were both positive and, 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 and the kids were on the outside and, um, and, and they would provide foods for us every day, leaving it on the outside 
you know the type of thing that the, the jail guys give the guys <laughs> like, prison, like, okay, I imagine like, the same thing so no contact you don't you don't touch them uh. and, and that's what we did for, for for two weeks I mean so so honestly it was it was manageable and I, and I want to make the point it's manageable because we are, we reflect a middle-class community so this mm. nonsense that COVID-19 affects everybody equally is not true it affects people differently, again, based upon their lifestyle. So for us, there, there were reasonable comforts. I could call my doctor, you know, mm, and I mm. could WhatsApp him, and he, and he could check to me whenever I felt like it. For people who, who predominantly live in townships, they can't make those calls. And then we also know that their homes are much smaller. How would it, if, if six people live in, in, in two bedrooms or one, it's impossible for them to actually isolate themselves. So no, COVID-19 reflects a complete breakdown of, of a global system of inequality that, that manifests once again. I mean, that's such a, val- a valuable point that you're making. I mean, I remember at the commencement of lockdown, when we were at level five, everyone was supposed to be indoors. We had police and military in our streets beating people up. Um, you know, fast forward a couple of weeks, we know that they've been pulling people out of shacks as well, but naked. But the point is that ultimately we had this horrific scenario where it was expected that you could be living in a shack with five, six other strangers, people who you're just merely sharing a living space with, a space to sleep in uh, because of, you know, the, the, the money or the lack of money in your bank account. And we expected everyone to behave themselves, everyone to be indoors, everyone to, yeah. to, to you know, socially distance uh, or be socially distant. At the very same time, we have the obvious, uh, you know, economic inequalities that was exacerbated and also highlighted by COVID-19. So I think I really appreciate the fact that you're making that point of clearly delineating between the fact that, listen, some people are able to, like yourself, arguably myself, many other people are able to isolate at home and say, listen, um, if I don't need uh, an ICU, if I don't need a ventilator, I'm actually able to ride this thing out at home. But that, for, that unfortunately, is not a possibility for the vast majority of South Africans. But Absolutely. I mean, we can't amplify that point enough that, mm. you know, COVID-19 didn't, didn't break down South Africa's social system. It, it simply reflected how broken down it's always been. And it simply just brought it to the fore once again. And so, so I, think, I think that's important. The, the other point that I think I'd, I'd perhaps like to bring up on my own is, you know, the point that I, that, that within... To say the evening, I think it is, of, of being positive, I, I posted on, on Twitter that I, that I was positive. Now, for me, it was the most natural thing for me to do. I mean, the media space, goodness, we, 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 we peddle information, right? And it was only the, the, the next morning when I saw from the, the multitude of people saying, uh, you're so brave for being public about it. It almost puzzled me because I, I didn't think I was being brave, okay? And, and then when I was interviewed with, um, by Chriselle Lewis on SABC News, and she said, Ashraf, we had that difficulty finding guests uh, fronting up that they're positive, and maybe you guys have had the same thing, right? Uh, so so we, we commend you for being brave. It was only at that stage I fully understood that besides my own issue and, and my wife's issue, in fact, we are now... we. we advocacy ambassadors here uh, to try and, and get people to share the experience because by sharing it, it removes the stigma, one, and number two, it tells other people that actually people you know are positive, and three, it is a form of healing for those that share it who are positive, but also for those who are negative who then can learn from us because I've said this before, 
I honestly believe that people, when they listen to the Minister of Health with the greatest of respect, he's a bright guy, and Professor Abdul Karim, and, and the President and everybody else, it goes over people's heads. They, they want to hear the experience, and something you spoke about earlier on, right? Mm. Um, they want to hear the experience of the everyday person that they can fully identify with. So even till today, we get questions from people like, listen, I've, I've got a bit of a headache. What do you think should I do? <laughs> so we, we've been asked to diagnose. But, 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 but it does tell you yeah. that, that, that people are relying on us more than they're relying on, 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 on government, for example. Which, which is phenomenal in itself. I mean, and obviously, uh, and, you know, I almost feel silly for saying this because it's one of those, uh, you know, unneeded disclaimers. Obviously, you have the responsibility to say, listen, guys, you need to go see your doctor. Don't ask me about, you know, whether you have a headache and whether you're COVID positive or not. But, uh, you know, but it, again, going back to the rela- relatability of it, you know, that an actual flesh and blood, real human being that we know has this, albeit through social media or even in, in person, um, able to reach out and then say, "Listen, I need to have that conversation with you." But just what I want to, just in conclusion, there, Ashraf. Obviously, as you said, you and your wife have, have, have embarked on, you know, having this discussion, um, you know, on, on, on in a social uh, open space. How do people yeah. then engage you directly um, on that? And, and well, some well, of the other me, issues. Look, I mean, obviously, people who know me will 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 contact me. People who don't know me directly. I, I mean, social media. So for me, it's you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, there's, there's people just engage me directly. What I have done is I've I've also um, decided to tweet under the hashtag South Africans with COVID, which is a nice way of just indexing all of us. Okay? Yeah, yeah. So it's connected. So, so I look at a person you know who's working primarily like Catherine Constantinidis, for example who's now COVID positive herself, right? Um, and probably a bit worse off than, than what we are. And I, she's also told me, Ashraf, by you, like we probably two weeks ahead of her, right? Mm. Um, in terms of recovery, by, by you being public about it, it's made it easier for myself to be public about it. So I think there's a lot of sharing on different spaces. I'm also aware that there's a group uh, called COVID survivors, which I'm reluctant to, to use, because how do you know that you really are a survivor permanently? I don't know, but there are groups like that. But also... And this is very important. You know, in the initial days of, of lockdown, uh. there were people who, who, who'd done some fabulous work in terms of providing relief support, relief work for, uh, for people who needed it, especially like foods, etc. Right? I think now there, there are groups mushrooming around the country, um, WhatsApp groups, like 100 people at a time, who are literally uh, ring-fencing communities and saying within that community of 100 people, who needs help? Who needs medicines? Who needs this? Who needs medical advice? Who needs a psychologist? Who needs some other sort of um, advice? Who needs us to buy groceries for them? Because can you think of a guy who's 65 or 70 who's COVID positive, possibly living alone? Now, that comes back to that point I said earlier about this complete breakdown of, of systems. Who is going to help that person if nobody will help them? I mean, these are the things that we really need to think about. And I think that space, that uh, conversational space that you've created there, Ashraf, uh, through a simple hashtag, you know, South Africans, uh, hashtag, and I tweeted it out early on, hashtag South Africans with COVID. I mean, that's that's such an important space for that conversation. Listen, mate, I, I really appreciate uh, your generosity this evening for sharing your story. Um, I wish you well on, on, on the rest of your recovery. Uh, you know, as you said, how does one know that you've beaten this thing? Because... We know it's not one. Of, it's not like the chicken pox. Once you've had it, you'll never have it again. There's always a possibility that it could come back. Yeah, so stay yeah, safe. Yeah. Look after yourself, especially based on the fact that you have a comorbidity. Look after the family as well. 
Absolutely. And, and I, th- I think for all of us, because I mean, in conclusion, you know, here's the point. We, we still feel vulnerable. We find to be vulnerable. But, but here's the reality to you as well. Based on statistics, not everybody will be COVID infected, but everybody already has been and will be COVID affected. It's the reality of the country. It's the reality of our world. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much. All the best to you. Appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for the platform.